Hello and welcome to a Christmas special of The Big Picture. I'm your host, Anna Varkiewicz. Before I get introducing, make sure you're following us on all the socials at underscore The Big Picture. Before we get into it, I'm pleased to announce that this week's People Champion is also me, meaning I retain both of my titles, but this week they will be held by someone new, I can guarantee it. Joining me this week is a regular cast of Elves and Reindeer. And first up, a lot of people stop me in the street and they say, who's your favourite Christmas Jack? Is it Jack Frost or Jack Skellington? And I always say, it's neither. It's Jack Graham. Jack, how you doing? Ah, very well. I'm, I'm glad that I'm only in your head as some kind of seasonal Christmas character every year. And that, that's a bit. You know, that's, that's great. Thanks for that. But <laughs> apart from that, I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. And now we have three more wise men on the panel. Next up is our very own Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, because we always laugh and call him names. It's Reese Cook. Welcome, Reese. Hi. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> I just want to bring it back to your thing with Jack. I don't think anyone would ever stop you in the street. You don't seem like the friendly kind of guy. I definitely <laughs> wouldn't stop you. No, I, I only have my headphones in, so I'd just blank them. But, uh, you don't want to get stopped in the street if they saw your like, poster up in like, a lamppost saying wanted. Excuse me, is that you up wanted. on that lamppost? Wanted, please approach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our second last palace is from a faraway land, much like Santa. Not Lapland though, Shetland. It's Lewis Jameson. Wow, that made me sound like a bit of a nonce, but yeah, appreciate it. How's uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. I felt a bit uh, bad for you, Adam, there. You won People's Champion, but you just went, yeah, I won it and moved on. It's clear to say you don't give a crap about the people's opinions, what I'm telling from that. Ah, uh, no, no. Ooh, when, you're the host, back when you're the host, you're meant to, you know, you're meant to be invisible. You're meant to just introduce stuff and you let the panel do the work. I wouldn't bring up, say, like, my pictures from the week before if I was host. I don't know, do you anyone who did that with your host? <laughs> who does that? <laughs> I've right. never this. <laughs> Moving on. Last but not least, we have our very own Colonel Mastermind because I know for a fact he has a scheme to steal with a big picture title this week. The group's resident Hans Gruber. It's Stuart Fitzgerald. How are you, Stuart? I feel very good. God blesses everyone. Yeah, some good intros, Adam. I really like that. But I, I'm sad to say that this is the first Christmas where I don't believe in Jack Graham. It finally happened. <laughs> so, um, watch that, your face. That's it. Just, I just don't, you know, I've got, I've gotten older and wiser, and I just realised that. Older. He, yep. And uh, that's it. This is just the year. I like how we've already started Christmas, like uh, my family does, by immediately shouting and fighting. So, at <laughs> <laughs> least tradition. No, we've not. <laughs> is is there a different way to start Christmas? I always thought this was just how it worked. Hungover. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the new thing, isn't it? You go out on Christmas Eve and you wake up for Christmas hungover. Don't know. It's definitely it not be. a new thing. I think it's just because you're a big <laughs> catch for Christmas now. Uh, I <laughs> the man's finally discovered Buck's Fizz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could just be like my dad and just get drunk through Christmas Eve, on through Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. I, I, that for him works the best, I think. I mean, Adam, if you have enough shandies, you'll get there. <laughs> Does it, is anyone ever here actually drank eggnog? No, I feel like it would be disgusting. Have you tried it? Yeah, no. the word egg, and it just kind of like threw me off. What if I called it advocate? Dick advocate. Dick. Are you advocating advocate? 
Nope. This uh, is spiraling downhill already. <laughs> okay. Bring it back. Moving, bring it back. Moving on. As it's a Christmas special, we're doing something slightly different, something seasonal. Instead of everyone pitching how to do something better, today we're going to be pitching a defence for our favourite Christmas film, and the boys will decide who has the best defence for their film of choice. I think the best place to start would be finding out the boys' favourite Christmas film. Jack, what's your favourite Christmas film? My favourite Christmas film is none other than Love Actually. That's a good choice. Absolute shock. <laughs> I like it. It tells a lot of stories. There's a lot of people in the film, a lot of different characters. Who's story what character do you relate to the most jack that i relate to the most yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, I don't know which one i really i had i had it in mind of what my favorite character would be. who would i who would i relate to the most i, I feel that paper. i feel like i may i could see myself ripping off a, a song and changing a few words to put kind of christmas likes on it to get a uk number one maybe maybe billy mac billy mac but, I- I can see but that perhaps that. I may be like Colin and go to America to get a threesome, so I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Big dreams. Well, you ripped off a podcast, Jack, so... <laughs> Jack, do you not think he would be underwhelming in a threesome and uh, you would have too much pressure to fill and then you would end up just collapsing? Oh, 100%, but you know, you've got to try. <laughs> Fair enough. Jack wouldn't cope with the time difference. He'd be going to bed at five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be about like three in the afternoon. I'm already getting into like put my pajamas and getting a cup of tea ready to watch Emmerdale. But there's no Emmerdale in the US, Jack. That's well, thanks to today's sponsor, NordVPN. <laughs> <laughs> Not affiliated no with NordVPN. No Any VPN sites, please. If you like sponsors, give us an email. Right, <laughs> Reese. What is your favorite Christmas film? Is it better than Jack's? Uh, well, my Christmas favorite Christmas film is the best. Christmas film, so of course it's better than Jack's. It is a Muppets Christmas Carol. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the applause. Whoa, <laughs> Thank you. That's a it's a classic film, a classic story. It's one of the older tales with a clever spin on it. Is uh, a Christmas Carol your favourite Christmas story? Then a Christmas Carol is the best Christmas story um, for reasons that I would like to explain in my pitch later. But I think it's it's when you think of Christmas. A Christmas Carol is uh, a story that has lasted, I don't know how many years, and the name Scrooge has become like a household name for someone who's tight. So I think for a story, yeah, Christmas Carol has got to be the best Christmas story and probably the, the most famous as well. I feel like surely Scrooge is also, for someone who doesn't like Christmas, just for being tight, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, potato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Stuart, what is your favourite Christmas film? Uh, my favourite Christmas film is Home Alone. Definitely. Yeah, that's the first Christmas film I, I think I can remember watching like every Christmas. Like when I was younger, it was always on and I'd always want to sit down and watch it when I was a wee guy. Uh, did you find it taught you a lot of life skills? Absolutely, yeah. I'm right there with you, Adam. It's a bit of a mainstay Christmas movie. I don't think I've, I've ever had a Christmas where I didn't watch it. Uh, it did teach me a lot taught me uh, not to trust people with gold teeth. Um, it taught me that if I was ever left behind at the age of eight, that I too would be able to set up homemade flamethrowers and tight ropes at home, despite the fact at that age I probably couldn't even tie my shoelaces, uh, and I still can't to this day. <laughs> me neither, so I'm not going to make you feel bad. Velcro all the way. <laughs> okay, now I just sound like a pedo. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, then, what is your choice? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... It's Die Hard. 
Of course. Christmas, I even say it's not a Christmas movie. We're, we're doing Christmas movies here, Lewis. Yeah, and I picked Die Hard, and I know for a fact it's a Christmas movie, which we'll get into later on in the show. The main character says it's not. Oh. Right. You're right. picking love, actually. Shut up. <laughs> More of a substantial Christmas movie than Die Hard. Our uh, old audience said it's it was still a year right <laughs> It's already, it's already chaos in this. Yeah, actually, I don't know. I'm going to get up that message because Ryan Dalglish is direct straight at you. Keep on talking whilst I find this. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> this is now the. This is like the GTF sort of again. It's become a personal vendetta podcast. Uh, it's. Die Hard's probably the only action Christmas film. It's also, I think that's why it's my dad's favourite. Is that why you enjoy it so much, Lewis? I mean, it's no secret. I love kind of 80s action films, and Die Hard kind of symbolises everything great about that genre. It takes place at Christmas. Wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Christmas. So for me, it combines my two favourite things at that time of year, Christmas and action movies. Also in Naked Men. Hey, I'm comfortable with my sexuality, Reese. You, you don't have to defend yourself here. Interesting. Well, I want to go around. We're going to get some opinions on each other's Christmas films, each other's choices. I mean, you've you've heard a lot of them. I didn't hear a lot of pushback on uh, Home Alone. Reese, Home Alone. What does what does it mean to you? You know, you hear Stuart say it's his favourite. It's on every year. What? what just give me just a brief some thoughts on it. I think, uh, I think it's hard to say you don't enjoy Home Alone, or certainly at some point in your life you haven't enjoyed Home Alone. I think Home Alone is a staple of a Christmas movie. Everyone has seen it. It's a brilliant movie. The only problem I have is I think I have seen it far too many times. It's a bit like Elf, where it's on every year, and you sit down and you watch it every year, and it's gotten to the point where, no, I think I've watched it too many times. But I, I still absolutely love it, and it, it is a great film, so it's a great choice by Stuart. Oh, nice. That's a bit, a bit of Christmas spirit. But yeah. I love showing on the podcast. Uh, I said it was based by three ghosts last night. Jack, please, what was that? I said that Ryan isn't cool, so it doesn't count that he thinks it was actually a a year-round film. Get up, you Ryan. Daft cunt. Anyone else that wants to give their opinion? Yeah, I know. We did ask for uh, our audience Christmas films. It's on Twitter, at underscore... We know, at, yeah, right, at underscore the big picture. Forgot that. Um, and there is a tweet. A lot of fans interacted. We're gonna read it. We're gonna interact. Read a lot of those uh, choices later on. Um, but remember, you can find us at underscore the big picture on Twitter and Instagram. Jack, I think see, see Home Alone. I, I really, I, I do enjoy Home Alone, but it's obviously you're just, you're just picking the the movie in itself. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kind of go with that. I just hate how much they ripped the absolute shit out of it with the rest of the movies that followed. <laughs> the sequel. I don't know. Home one two is not bad, but three and four, I'll agree with you. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, two yeah. two is okay with, but it's, it's after that. Then when they got the new character in, is uh, nah. I felt as if two would have been fine, but there's the obviously it was a when you see Home Alone during that time when it's coming out to cinema, you were. You're wanting to go see what was going to happen, so it was going to hit money regardless. I know yeah. it's a shame Macaulay Culkin had to you know, grow up. But well, actually, <laughs> it's good. You, it's good segue for you, Lord Lewis. Sure, do you think if they brought a home loan out now, Macaulay Culkin was the dad, and he had a different son, would you would you go into cinema and see it? No, no. <laughs> what? 
like nah I'd, home alone <laughs> home alone works so well like in that era like what i like about home alone is it's such a perfect storm of events like it's not one of these there's not one of these films where like you know it gets left at home and you're like oh well why don't the parents just do that and why don't the parents just do this they kind of do their best to answer all these questions like oh the phone lines are down and the police go at the door but you know he's he's too scared to open it and like i i feel like that works then mm-hmm. the 90s were a different time guys right you yeah. could i'm an only child all right my parents could have forgotten me very easily back then it just happened but i don't think now i don't know how you could do it I, it's not one of these it's barely back to the future i don't know how you could remake it even if you brought in Macaulay Culkin. What makes Home Alone 1 so good as well, and Home Alone 2, is like it's pre-Michael Jackson, Macaulay Culkin. He doesn't have that baggage. All right. Now, you put, Molly, you put Macaulay Culkin in a film nowadays, that voice in the back of your mind is going to be like, is this going to be addressed in this film? Can this even be out? Should I be watching this? So to answer your question, no, Adam, I wouldn't. There is some films that just need to be left alone because they just sit perfectly in, in the time period they're set in. And Home Alone's premise is one of those. You can't put it in 2021, 20, because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all there. It's too many loopholes, too many things to poke out. So, yeah, I'm agreeing with Stuart. It needs to be left there. Some movies just should not be remade. Remember that oh, movie studios. foreshadowing. Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything to add to that? that how could you make a a remake with Macaulay Culkin as a dad? He was abandoned twice and it led him to getting nonced and then having an addiction to drugs. So I'm pretty sure he wouldn't make that mistake. <laughs> well, I like how you know, we'll go for a Christmas one. We're like, oh, what talk, we'll talk about everyone's favorite Christmas film. It's like, that's safe. That's not going to lead <laughs> in anywhere dark at all. We're, we're 14 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is the darkest episode we've ever recorded, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's what the people want. <laughs> I think we'll actually we'll do briefly segue on before we're gonna get on to a, a debate in a few minutes. But just before we get there, I guess to to preface that, I'm gonna ask Lewis, what what is a Christmas film to you? What what defines a Christmas film? Why are you asking him reason to die on his favorite Christmas film? <laughs> right, Reese. I'm asking you to calm down. Just give me a yellow card. Anyone, <laughs> you're off. Boot from call. What makes a Christmas film? Set during Christmas, has Christmas music, references to Christmas, and semblance of a Christmas miracle, as well as an overdemon message. Right. Well, that's I heard it's all of them. You can't argue that. That. But those... I'm glad you brought that up, Lewis. Yes, uh, and I was just about to hand it over there. And in the spirit of fairness, Reese, what defines a Christmas film for you? Uh, well, for me, what defines a Christmas film is oh, Christmas is a time of year where you have a bit of a bit of self reflection, a bit of it's all about giving, and it's all about you know it's a feel good time of the year. And obviously, Christmas means different things to different people. But we can all agree on it's a celebration of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. No, but one thing we can all agree on is it's given an election and it's a feel-good time of year. It's not a time to waste tons of money 
crashing planes and fighting people. This, this is not what Christmas is about. Happy time of year. It's, it's not a, a Christmas film that you could only watch at Christmas time. I could watch Die Hard any day of the year and no one would say anything. If I watched Home Alone in, let's say, July, all the the Grinches and the Scrooges of the world, they'd be like, oh, you can't watch that as a Christmas film. But if you, watch, if you listen to Christmas music before, even before December, people criticise you for it. You watch Die Hard at any point of the year, no one will say otherwise. Why? Because it's not a Christmas film. Wow. Uh, it's an impassioned uh, plea from you, Obis. You're very, very convincing, very convincing. Jack, which side of the argument do you fall on here? Oh, I'm I'm firmly in Reese's camp for this one. Thank um, you. It's it's not it's I've never so obviously I get it's it's set in Christmas and that and whatnot, but it's it's, it's something I've just never associated as being a a Christmas movie. It's a, it's a it's a die hard movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. It's not a Christmas movie. That's how I'll, I've always seen it. So it's that's that's where I lie in the argument of whether that is a Christmas movie or not. Fair. Yeah. Stuart then where do you, are you going to are you going to make it a three on one pile up on Lewis or are you going to take Lewis's side here I'm going to I'm going to come rushing to Lewis's aid here because I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie um, that's right ho 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 I got a machine gun his name is Stuart Fitzgerald yep that's <laughs> it. I mean it's actually it's one of my favourite Christmas movies it, with this podcast it would have been a toss up between Die Hard and Home Alone. Lewis got in there first with Die Hard, but it is it's a it's a tradition for me. I watch it every Christmas Eve. I know what Lewis is uh, what Reese has said about how you can watch it any time. I disagree. I think it falls into the the blanket of Christmas movies you watch it at Christmas. I mean, it takes place at Christmas. It has Chris, like you said, like Lewis said, it's got Christmas songs and the whole premise is Bruce Willis gets invited to a Christmas party. Like there's you, you can have that. He gets invited to the July party. You know, like of that. Well, you could, the, you could have uh, the Fourth of July. No, 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 no. no. He, he gets invited. To, he gets invited because they're all off. They're all off the Fourth of July, Reese. So there you go. You've lost the American audience. But, what are you talking about? Uh, it's a Christmas office party. You know, they are universal, um, and it has a happy ending, like Christmas movies are apt to do. Apart from one other movie that's on this uh, podcast that we'll come to later. But I mean, it's obviously a bit out of the box. It's not a traditional Christmas movie, but ultimately, I have such a good time with this film. And you know, why can't the adults and the action film fans have a Christmas movie just for them? You know, like you can't just have the same Christmas movies bought out every year. You got to have a bit of variety. So, also, lastly, IMDb has Die Hard second on its list of top Christmas films, just after It's a Wonderful Life. So. There you go. Put that in your Nakatomi tower and smoke it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna... You could swap that um, the Christmas party, though, for someone's leaving party at work, and it would just be the exact same film. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't, because John McLean doesn't work there. He gets invited because it's a family event. The workers have their partners there, and he gets invited to the... I mean, you... the whole, oh, if you take Christmas out of it, it's not a Christmas film. I mean, that could be said for all of our films you know if you take christmas out of home alone it's just a, a film where he gets left alone you take christmas yeah. out of love actually it's a valentine's day movie you take you take christmas out of yours reese it's about somebody finding out that 
family and friends is more important than capitalism. Like it's that that argument of oh, you take Christmas out of it, it's not a Christmas film. Yeah, no shit. You do that against like <laughs> no, any film. That's such a naive answer. That's such it, a naive it's, answer. It's, but uh, it's a true answer. Take, <laughs> the, what, like I said earlier, it's about self-reflection. Christmas is the best time of year for that, and that's why it's important. No, New Year's and he, he goes through a personal message. journey of finding of like he goes to. It's not until his wife life is on the line that he realizes that you know he's he even says like if i die you know apologize to my wife and he he has that uh epiphany, epiphany. of like oh you know i should have been a better husband you know it's, and when do all these films have these epiphanies at christmas you know family's important the, what your points that the two of you made it here about die hard being a christmas movie fall true in the following movies die hard groundhog day the Grand Budapest Hotel, Mean Girls, The Parent Trap, Frozen, Harry Potter, Philosopher's Stone, Lady in the Tramp, Jumanji, Long Kiss Goodnight, Love Actually, Batman Returns, Gremlins, Iron Man 3, Lethal Weapon, Sound of Music, Edward Scissorhands, and Jaws the Revenge. All of them have a Christmas element in it that has a message that they could have turned it around, but none of them are Christmas films, apart from Die Hard. Very strange, that. Groundhog Day takes place in February. Yeah, if you take Christmas out of Die Hard, Die Hard doesn't happen. If you take Christmas at a lethal weapon, it's still a lethal weapon. That's the point you're missing. You haven't even seen the movie recently, have you? I have watched Die Hard. I actually do watch Die Hard <laughs> most Christmases. I think but I there, think there we go. There we go. Reese's Christmas tradition. You know, <laughs> it's on fucking TV. Reese watches Die Hard on Christmas like it's I a Christmas. I don't watch it on Christmas. And everything. Whoa, 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 whoa. But why don't you watch it in July, Reese? <laughs> yeah, you can watch it anytime. I you. have. Order. Right. We can't let it run on a whole podcast, really intense debate, just for a closing note, someone who didn't jump in too much there, I just want you to, ref- I just want to refer to a comment Reese made that Love Actually isn't in fact a Christmas movie. Um, Jack, does that change how you think of Reese as a man? Um, no, no, no. Uh, Reese pays his taxes much like I do, so I've got to respect that as a person. It's as a as a matter as as a matter of opinion, like as we all have a different meaning of Christmas, don't we? As this as it's been been shown here, like some of it like self reflection and whatnot and that. So it's it's a matter of just what Christmas means to you. So I, I respect his opinion. I don't I mean like for the I don't agree with what Lewis and Stuart are saying about die hard being a Christmas movie, I respect that that's what Christmas is to them. I, I think Reese is wrong in saying that Love Actually isn't a Christmas movie, but I respect what Christmas means to Reese. Well, Jack, I'll be honest with you. I've never actually seen Love Actually. It was just on <laughs> a list. Uh, well, so I don't actually know anything about it. Other than, that's uh, what you should watch that's, this that's Christmas. One uh, do you know what, Jack? For you, I'll watch it this year. Christmas. Very cool. It, it's amazing. It's amazing what this podcast does. It brings people together. I always can't believe it. But while while we're talking about love, actually, to get a a bit of comment on it, it's it, it's obviously a strong. It's a romance film at its heart. It's lots of different things that have a you know romantic elements to it. We've got uh, I've forgotten all the characters' names, but we've got Alan Rickman uh, <laughs> buying the gift for his secretary. I've just I've forgotten all the names. I've got we've got Colin going to America. I remember his name. For a reason, so just the romantic element is that why you enjoy the film so much, Jack? Would you say would it be the the romance part of it? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I won't lie and say that I'm a sucker for a good rom-com. I do like that kind of stuff, but I feel that the 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 Christmas element for me in Love Actually is probably what's striking the most. It's what I kind of that's what what Christmas is to me is like that we well, everyone always has a kind of different. It's a different Christmas each year. You always have like some sort of a different Christmas story. But what makes the story great? Whether it's like whether it's a good Christmas story or it's like a bad Christmas story or whatnot. It's the it's the folk that you surround yourself with to enjoy this time that makes Christmas for us, whether you're having a good time or a bad time, the, the folk that you're able to surround yourself with to get you through it, to try and rejuvenate spirits or just keep spirits at high to enjoy the festive period. I think that's what it's all about. Uh, very true, Jack. I'm liking this podcast. We've got really dark talk about Macaulay Culkin being nonstop. And then side by side, we've got some really positive messages about what Christmas means to us and what it should mean to people. Uh, I think that's... That just sums us up, I think. Um, I'm coming at you here, Lewis. Have you? I'm assuming you've seen Love Actually. Uh, did you enjoy it? What did you think of it? You assume a lot, Adam. I assume incorrectly. You assume incorrectly. I've never actually <laughs> seen the movie. <laughs> right. Right. I've heard a lot about it, and I'm, I, like Jack, I do love a rom com, but I wouldn't pick a rom com as a front drop for Christmas. But like Jack said, everybody has their own sort of inferences and what Christmas means to them. And obviously Jack being the hopeless romantic of the group, that's why he loves Love Actually. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I really stress the word hopeless. Oh, well, I know. Oh, 100% hopeless. I know Stuart. <laughs> Adam Stuart has actually seen Love Actually. Actually. I have. I have, yeah. I literally just watched it the other day. Um we just kind of like were throwing random Christmas films out and uh, Love Actually was one of them. Um, Jack's going to have a big sigh of relief here because I do think that Love Actually is a Christmas movie. That's, that's not... Off my <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think it's a Christmas movie. That's not what... like It's a romance film at its heart and a Christmas film secondary. I don't begrudge that, especially considering my thoughts on Die Hard. That's not what I don't like about it. What I hate is that Love Actually is actually the worst Christmas movie out there. Especially, do you know why? Because it's a terrible film to watch with your family. Christmas is all about like everyone settling down and being together. Nights are cold. You settle and watch a Christmas movie. This film is terrible to watch with your like. Firstly, like there are porn stars in it which I try my best not to include in my family Christmas view and try as I might. I watched it, I, I hadn't seen it in ages, and I watched it the other night, and it is so depressing. You've got Alan Rickman cheating on his wife, which is such a depressing plot line. You've got Liam Neeson's wife's dead, which is such a depressing plot line. You've got her from Ozark that can't spend time with the guy she loves because of, because of her family, which is such a depressing plot line. You've got him from The Walking Dead, you know, that everyone knows the love actually bit with the cue cards outside their door. He's confessing to his best friend's wife that he loves her, and he probably ruins both of those relationships. Now, Jack, Home Alone and Love Actually have got a bit of a um, trait, a shared trait here, because it teaches kids it's okay to run in airports. But to be fair, Home Alone does that, but it was pre-9-11, right? Love Actually came out oh. in 2000, <laughs> 2004, right? 
it, it's not okay, kids, if you're listening, it's not okay to run in the airport. Do not do that, all right? You will be shot. So, the wor- and the worst thing, the worst thing about Love Actually, you've got Hugh Grant as a Tory Prime Minister. I, it's 2020 and I am sick of Tory Prime Ministers. I don't say he's not, Jack, because he has a picture of Margaret Thatcher in his office and he actually talks to it, right? Not only that, but he near enough starts an international incident between the United States and the UK because the president chats up his assistant that he likes. And that, that assistant, having a relationship with her, would completely nuke his career, by the way. And at the very end, if you haven't seen them actually, at the very end of the film is people coming out of the airport and greeting their families. So Hugh Grant comes out of the airport, you know, as prime minister, and she books it towards him, absolutely runs straight. And in real life, if some, if the armed police stationed there saw that, they'd be like, "Someone's heading for the prime minister." I would shoot her, and then that'd be that. It's the worst Christmas movie to watch with your family. I guess we're lucky that it is a movie, not real life. Then and that just wouldn't happen. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's quite good. I, 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 what you said though, I feel is what makes it a great Christmas movie. Because that's, that's what I was saying. Is what Christmas to me is because not everyone's Christmas is absolutely great. And it's it's important to highlight that some folk have an absolutely shit Christmas, much like Emma Thompson's character did. And it's how she's managed to get through that and run around that. I think it's, it's done well to highlight the good and the bad side of Christmas and how families and people can get through it so I think a lot a lot of stuff as you're right it is depressing but I think it's important to note and to show that it is important to include that not every Christmas is absolutely great I, mean, I don't want to see that my Christmas has been fine <laughs> love actually has ruined it all right that's not good for me I think uh, oh, what Jack just said there is uh, it's actually quite interesting because when Jack made this initial point about everyone being together and stuff like that and I was like do you know what I've never seen the film but he, he, you know you sold it to me and Stuart just <laughs> just totally ruined it for me I, I don't know if I can watch it now but you brought it back Jack you have you've made a good point there and I think um, it's quite quite clever what you've done there because you've highlighted the fact that people have obviously for me Christmas is the best of you I look forward to it all year round I look forward to it from the 27th of December all the way through to when it is Christmas. Um, and it, but I, it's the best day of the year for me, but for a lot of people it's the worst day of the year because they're, they're alone or, or their life just isn't great right now. And a song that does that really well is uh, The Fairy Tale of New York. So guys, I'm just wondering, what's your favourite Christmas song? Oh, good segue. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um since I'm hosting, but I'd say Fairy Two in New York is definitely mine. Um, timeless. You just you put it on December first. It always gets good on. Close second. Uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. The Michael Bublé version. That's uh, me oh. tradition. Me and my mum. We always. Uh, she's giving me a lift somewhere during December. The Michael Bublé Christmas album gets shoved on. We're singing along. So that's again. I suppose that's that's Christmas. Just we're gonna step up quickly say so we can get everyone else's answers here. But. That's Christmas. Everyone's got their own little stories about every song, every film that they do with their families. My favourite Christmas song is Elton John Step Into Christmas. <laughs> the second, I would be Feliz Navidad. Oh, banger. Third, I've only right, yeah. got this written down because <laughs> I, got, I got asked this in the, the wrestling podcast group chat. So I was like, oh, good, I can just bring this up. My third is Kelly Clarkson, Underneath the Tree. That's an absolutely fantastic song. I would highly recommend checking that out. 
Fourth, the Jackson 5, Santa Claus is coming to town. And number five, Peter Kay is Geraldine McQueen, Once Upon a Christmas Song. Brilliant. There you go. That's the most Jack, Jack answer. Lewis? <laughs> 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 um, I do like stepping to Christmas, uh, Ellen John. That's good. I like Let It Snow. Uh, I particularly like how Adam said that Fairy Tale in New York, which is another one of my favourites, is timeless despite the fact it always gets censored nowadays and everyone let, won't let you sing it. So I don't think it's quite as timeless as he thinks. <laughs> Cancelled. We're cancelled. We're we're coaching on that line, Reese. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say it. Then we, you know, we'll just uh, we'll just move on to you, Lewis. Yeah. Um, years working in retail have given me strong PTSD when it comes to Christmas music because you just hear it nonstop. That being said, though, the one song that never got too tiresome for me was Slade. It's Christmas time. Good answer. Like my favourite changes every year, uh, but one constant that's been there every year is Fairy Tale in New York. I think the bridge in Fairy Tale in New York is a bridge that could possibly be second to none. Mm, so, the, so yeah, I don't know. I just love that. Where does anyway, the, the Band Aid song sit in everybody's list? Uh, I the original one. Yeah, the original, not that remake. No, I actually don't mind the new one. Just going to point out the 2014 one. I think it's is decent. I don't, I don't, it gets a lot of stick because it's not like all these people we consider legends now, but like it's basically the same equivalent of what happened when Bandit. Definitely is. isn't. Oh. No offense to Dizzy Rascal, he's just not. Yeah. Like yeah. Dizzy Rascal, please. Back off. No, I think Lewis is right there. But I think the original one is uh, absolutely fine. Um, I particularly like U2 uh, Bono when he tells. Uh, Africans, <laughs> their lives suck. That part's my favourite part. I don't know if you guys will remember this, but when they were redoing the Band Aid that year, when and Bono gave, in typical Bono fashion, the biggest hissy fit of not being able to have his original line for the original song, it was in the news cycle for weeks. That's because the new one's about Ebola and he's still bringing up AIDS and stuff, you know? He needs to get rid of AIDS. New fashionable diseases. <laughs> I'm surprised they've not released a coronavirus one for this year. I, I oh. should expect it. But they did the they did uh, a children need song for coronavirus. Yeah, oh, I didn't see that. Uh, I'm, I remember. I'm that. not surprised. Yeah, children need uh, a bit of a shady charity anyway. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Everyone's getting it in this podcast. It seems. Right. I wanna before we get on to the pitches, which I think. I'm looking forward to. I think we've we've had a good bit. We've covered each film. We've talked about what Christmas means to us as well. Uh, I'm going to talk about what Christmas means to the listeners, uh, and I'm going to have a quick. We we asked to say we asked for engagement at underscore the big picture on Twitter. You guys got in touch, and here's a, a list of your guys' favourite films. We got Lucy Conley said Arthur Christmas. Paul McCallum said The Santa Claus Two. Tommy Smart said The Nightmare Before Christmas. He also asked the question: Is Force Awakens a Christmas movie because it came out at Christmas? Well, it must be. Oh. <laughs> we also got Ryan Dalglish, a resident DJ. Love Actually, but says it's an all-year-round film. Might not be with comments like that. So just December 2021. <laughs> <Sacked>. <laughs> Sarah Deans said The Grinch and It's a Wonderful Life. Annie Deans said Die Hard in the Nightmare Before Christmas. Stephen Wilson asked if Batman Returns counts. Yes. Well, it's on my list of films that aren't Christmas films, so... 
No. Must be a Christmas movie. Must be. I must wouldn't be. say so. What? What? <laughs> right. <laughs> Colin Moore said Elf. Robin Johnson said A Miracle on 34th Street. Christmas Dave said Love Actually or Home Alone. Daniel Lee said Die Hard. Caitlin McCann said Arthur Christmas. At Holiver on Instagram said How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Abby Molyneux said Home Alone at a push. She doesn't watch Christmas films. Daniel Blount said Krampus. Scott Brown said Bad Santa. Maswood Duarco said The Santa Claus 1 and 2. Adam McDonald came in with Die Hard. And finally, Becca Watson said Polar Express or Elf for our favourites. That's a, a really good range. I mean, yeah. I've cropped up a few times, much to, I'm sure, to Reese's annoyance, but I, I, I suppose that's, that's a good spread. What's the thoughts? Yeah, there? it was actually quite good. That, like, it's kind of what Jack said, like, everybody has their own sort of feelings of what Christmas is, and one thing that, when I was looking through all the posts and dealing with them, that is, like, there wasn't that very many repeat posts. Like, sure, like, Elf has some crossover and Die Hard has some crossover, but a lot of people have their own sort of feelings on what they like and their own Christmas movies. There doesn't seem to be that one ultimate Christmas film, which is I think is actually quite nice, but it kind of made me think, and maybe you guys can kind of jump on the question, like, do you think your selection of favourite Christmas film is somewhat a reflection of you as an individual and what you're like as a person? 100%. 100%. 100%, yeah. I, th- I, mean, I think it's also what you grew up with as well. Yeah, background. Nature versus yeah, nurture I mean, debate you know, on Christmas films. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think, well, yes, I think when, the, when, when we put out the, the, this idea, we said, oh, what's everyone's favourite Christmas film? But we kind of all knew that yours was always going to be Die Hard because that's the kind of guy that you are. And it, American Guns. Love actually, <laughs> yeah, testosterone. Just pure <laughs> testosterone and hero complex. Yeah, Jack Pick and Love actually is a, it's an obvious reflection of him as a person as well. And Stuart was abandoned as a child, so it's quite obvious that he would pick Home Alone. So, yeah, 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 I think it is definitely a reflection of who you are as a person and also the films you watched growing up. Uh, Reason you used to hate poor poor people. Is that why you, you chose them up at Christmas Carol? No, I, I, I hate them. Used to. <laughs> <laughs> and fuck poor people and fuck <laughs> Venom uh, gets rid of homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that, to be fair. <laughs> It's becoming a theme, but just homeless people getting bashed. Oh, God. They're meeting that Tory complain of half and homeless by 2050. It's a good thing they can't listen because they don't have phones. <laughs> <laughs> I think that with that, it's time to go on to our big pitches. And as I said, we're all going to pitch a defence of our film. And then we're all going to decide, well, I'm not going to decide. The boys are going to decide which one is the best defence. And so why don't we start with how we start the podcast. Jack, what is your defence of Love Actually? Why is it the best Christmas film in your opinion? On my sheet of paper I've got Love Actually, then block capitals, is the best Christmas Whoa. movie and it's all underlined. So here we go. Uh, for me, it's able to capture the joy and hilarity and also sadness of how folk are able to experience Christmas. It provides that constant wave of hilarity throughout the movie, that kind of light sense of humour, which is it's etched itself pretty much into Christmas pop culture since it was released, as the boys said, that like that those that haven't seen it all know that iconic scene with a car is professing his love and whatnot. No other film of that kind of genre, I think, has been able to get near or reach such heights from when Love Actually was released, obviously. The music movies from before that has, but I don't like any kind of recent movie so to speak in that kind of Christmas sense being able to do that 
some of the hilarious, you've got Hugh Grant as Prime Minister dancing to jump. You've got Colin Firth's proposal in French, which is terrible grammatically and what he's trying to say, but he was speaking the language of love, in quotation marks, and that's, that's what makes it so powerful. You've got Rowan Atkinson, his Christmas re- present rapping by Alan Rickman, and he's getting more angst by the by the second, that was hilarious in itself as he was trying to buy this diamond necklace for the woman he was cheating on his wife with. It was able to be what a Christmas film kind of should be, which is like funny and uplifting and kind of show the struggle and hard times of going through Christmas. It's not reliant on like over the top humour either. And with that, it's able to provide like proper moments of real emotion through a variety of different narratives and subplots. And with that, you'd think it'd be messy and confusing when watching the movie, but it it just isn't. You're able to watch and you're able to understand it. It all flows and makes sense. And as I said earlier on, Emma, Emma Thompson's character portrayal, fantastic. She's able to bring the kind of realisation of that folk do go through a shit Christmas. Like, obviously, she was cheated on and her family kind of get torn apart. It's how they're going to live essentially after that with a family being broken apart as you see at the nativity they're trying to be civil with each other and it's just kind of a matter of having to deal with that so that's like a shit Christmas but it's able to kind of go through that moment as well and you also saw it with Sarah and our brother Michael who is like going through that kind of hard time he's mentally ill as well so it's showing her she's trying to live a normal life by pursuing someone that works in our office but can't because of having to care for their brother so showing that it is, it is tough for Christmas at some points but then you've got some good stories as well like Billy Mack also his, his goal through this was to release a Christmas number one and he was on the, the Ant and Dex show and he was being all Billy Mack as he is in the movie but throughout that he realises his manager is like his best friend and it kind of provides the, the heartwarming moment heartwarming moment that unconditional love is so important around this time so it makes you truly appreciate what you've got and who you are that's pretty much and Stuart said he didn't like the final scene I think the final scene some for me sums up Christmas perfectly as, as I said earlier on as well it's got it shows thousands of Christmas stories happening at one time be it if you're happy and it's good or if you're sad and you're not feeling yourself but whatever kind of story or whatever moment is happening that you're living in, you'll be able to get through it, you'll be able to enjoy yourself, you'll be able to carry on with the kind of festive period with the folk that you've got around you. And for me, I think that's what Christmas is all about. The notebooks. Could you tell me in a few words why this film is exclusive to Christmas? Oh, no. Why is why this film is exclusive to Christmas? Yeah, why is it? (laughs) Ryan Dalglish said that it's an all year all year round film. Um, I think obviously, like it's as as you said as well, it's a movie that can like if you take the Christmas element out of it, it can be put into a different genre. As in, like I said, this could be like around Valentine's Day or whatever, or. Die Hard could just be like some other movies happening after being invited to some party during some time. I think it's just it's set in Christmas. It portrays that Christmas message that I resonate with the most, I think. And that's that's why it's a Christmas movie for me. In Jack's defence, I will say, like, 
like, if you move Love Actually to like just Valentine's Day, it's no longer Love Actually. It loses its sort of core essence from what I can tell the way he's talking about. It becomes more basically like a Ryan's Reynolds rom-com. And the same could be said about Die Hard. If you just move it, it just becomes Dwayne The Rock Johnson's next film. I definitely don't think that Love Actually would have the, the, the message that it does if it was moved to another season. Okay. Stuart, what have you got? Um, I, I do agree that it is a Christmas film, but to me it seems quite shallow. And it's like and it's Chris like the fact that it's set in Christmas and it's Christmas message. Um there's a good variety of like relationships that they show. They do showcase a lot. Um but the fact that the relationship Christmas has to a lot of these characters, I feel is the weakest relationship there. Because uh, Bill Nye, uh, as the singer, admits several times to everyone, like radio broadcasters, television presenters, that he knows that the song he's put out is crap. He says as much, and it is a shameless um, cash grab for a washed-up singer to make it to number one. Um, And I feel, I can't help but get the feeling that the director wanted to tell this story about all these different relationships, and that he was forced to tack on the Christmas aspect of it because like a good example is the nativity play that you said the nativity play is so absurd that you could actually look at that as the director calling out how absurd Christmas is added onto the films because the nativity's got like lobsters and aliens and that in it and a kid with Spider-Man face paint so like like that is obviously a very I think that's a very shallow aspect of it and also some of the relationships I feel focus too much on the physicality of relationships, like it's so sex oriented. Like the guy who goes to America purely just to have sex with American girls because nobody, like no, none of the British girls he knows, will have sex with them. Um, you've got Alan Rickman, secretary, purely just wants to have sex with him. She doesn't want to. She doesn't fancy him. She just wants to you know, have sex with him. And Colin Firth in this film, who I like in this film, he only starts to show interest in the person that he's with when he's out. For those that don't know, he's a writer and he's writing this book and the pages get lost in a lake. He only starts to really take a notice of her when she strips off to go and jump into the lake to save his pages. So there is that. On the flip side of that, though, one of the best relationships they have is the two porn stars who are naked all the time together and it shows their relationship progress when they actually just want to hang out clothes on like Martin Freeman play, and uh, her from Gavin Stacey play that really well. So they do address that but I feel like it can be really shallow at times. Sure. I just want to chime in here and say that um, we're, I don't know if Adam explained to you, we're actually basing it on people's pitches and not the films themselves. Uh, Jack did mention half of what you said in his pitch, so I feel like that's an unfair criticism. I was just going to say that what's Jack's thoughts on that? Like, does he feel that a lot of the relationships are shallow? Um, see, to be honest, yes, I know. I feel that. The, the, the shallowness of some of them is there to portray a deeper meaning in itself. 
So, like, obviously the whole the calling going over to America, that's just there, I think, for its comedic value, so to speak. But, like, the the whole thing I used to about Alan Rickman and the secretary, it's, it's not really their Christmas story. It's Emma Thompson's Christmas story. So I wouldn't say it's... it's the I would say the wrong points kind of been focused on for that bit. Then you said the whole nativity, they've got like lizards and whatnot are in it. The whole point of that was that they were trying to accommodate all the kids so none of them got left out during the nativity play at Christmas and they wanted to be wherever they wanted to be and they still didn't want them to feel excluded. So it was like their own twist on the nativity story. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, you, you make good points. Nice. So nice. I would Sorry. say that. Okay. Uh, one small note. I really, I really like that pitch, Jack. Uh, it's Portuguese that Colin first speaks uh, to the girl. All right, okay. Thank She's, you. Yeah, okay, no worries. I think uh, it was like she, I think, was it not they, France she went to or something? Like they live in France, in yeah. France, yeah, yeah. She's in France. And so he's trying to speak French some... to her first. And then she's like, no, she doesn't, she doesn't speak a word of French just like you because she's Portuguese. And it's like a Portuguese family she lives in. That's why that's what he learns. Right. But anyway, Jack, apart from that, false. Didn't see any mistakes. Right. Okay. Uh, moving on. Reese, why don't you tell us why A Muppet's Christmas Carol is the best Christmas film in your opinion? Okay. Um, I feel like A Muppet's Christmas Carol, as I touched on earlier, tells the best Christmas story, which is actually quite sinister, uh, but it tells it in a fun, light-hearted way. It's got Michael Caine in it as Scrooge, and you don't have, you don't really need to tell me to tell you that how impressive that is. Nonetheless, his acting in it is wonderful and he portrays the character better than anyone else, including Scrooge McDuck. Christmas means different things to different people, as we talked about earlier. But one of the things that we can all agree on, you know, as I said, is that Christmas is about giving and self-reflection. A Muppet's Christmas Carol tells the story of one of the truly worst people on the planet. He's not evil like a murderer, but he's evil in a way that he like takes from the poor and cares for nobody but himself. The movie does what every good movie, Christmas movie should do. It shows you the ugly side of the world. Like Jack had mentioned earlier on, a good Christmas story will show that side of Christmas. Um, it shows you the ugly side of the world, but more importantly, it shows you that it's, you can always change. It's never too late to become a better person. And Christmas is a good, as good a time as any to make that change. You can always be a better person. The portrayal of a Muppet's Christmas Carol is better than any other portrayal of a Christmas Carol because obviously the Muppets. Well, everyone loves the Muppets, you know. But Michael Caine's portrayal of Scrooge and also the songs. I'm not a huge fan of songs in movies originally. I know Jack is. Um, but in this film, it, it does it so well. The first song in the movie shows how truly dark the, the story actually is where it tells you, it, it sings about how Scrooge is starving people to death. My personal favourite film in the fil- uh, song in the film is Marley and Marley, because it's so catchy and I absolutely love it. But the way that this film actually portrays a very dark story about how you can be a really, really horrible person, but just making small changes to yourself, well, I, I guess in this case it's a, a bit of a drastic change, but to give... I mean, in this film, he goes to uh, 
Kermit's door on Christmas Day, and it seems like because of his nature that he's going to force him to come to work and not spend time with his family and his sick child. But actually, he turns up with the biggest turkey in the town, and it's just like he embraces the fact that he's been a horrible person throughout the years, and he's willing to change and he's willing to make Kermit's life better, and he gives him money to help his sick child, and it's just truly a heartwarming. And that's for really what Christmas is for me anyway. It's about giving, self-reflection, and I just love a good heartwarming film. And the Scrooges of the world, they, they don't like these kind of films. They don't like happy, feel-good films that are magical. And they, they talk them down and they go for their action movies. That's the real Christmas movie where it's not. But this is my favourite Christmas film for just a whole number of reasons. Um, but one thing that stands out is that it's actually a Christmas movie with a Christmas story. I, I think it. I think the good I think the, the for me for the, the Muppets Christmas Carol it's it's, it's my favourite version of the of the story as you said I think the kind of good thing with that is the Muppets appeals to like kids so much and it's it, it's it's getting progressively harder I think in today's society to teach or even just to show a story like that there's a normal movie of a Christmas Carol and not get bored of it. And I feel yeah. the Muppet is able to portray that in a good way to keep the younger generation engaged and also can actually understand the message of what it's about. Yeah, and I just want to add, uh, Stuart brought up a good point earlier about Love Actually, when he said he wouldn't sit down and watch it with his family. This is a Christmas film that you can, out of all of the Christmas films that we've picked, Stuart said you, you wouldn't watch Love Actually with, with your family. I certainly would want to show my two and three year old kids die hard because of the violence so out of the, all of the Christmas ones that we've picked so far Home Alone and uh, A Muppet's Christmas Carol are the only ones that I would sit down with my family with my young children and show them and, it, and Jack's right in saying that it does tell a, a real story like an actual story about how to be a better person and how to be you know it's always good to change and it, you know never give up on people and stuff like that but it shows it to children and it kind of teaches them a good life lesson whereas the other three films don't have that i just like to say michael kane has no reason being this good acting against muppets in this film like you've got such a serious classically trained actor who you'd expect him to do like the stage version of a Christmas Carol, but instead he does the Muppets Christmas Carol, and he is so good as Scrooge. He's, he's quite frankly the best portrayal of Scrooge. Like Jack said, for me, this is probably the best version of a Christmas Carol. It's definitely the first version of a Christmas Carol that I ever saw as a kid, and they really knock it out of the park for this. Um, it's a winning combination, and also Michael Caine's actually said that this is one of the favourite films he's ever made because he watches it with his grandkids and his great-grandkids at Christmas. Yeah, I touched upon how his acting was is excellent in this film. I don't really think I talked about it enough. His acting in this film is excellent. It's the best portrayal of Scrooge, as you said, and as I said in my pitch. It's second to none, and it's, it's hard, because I've watched all the Muppets films, and in the, the Muppets Treasures Island, the acting in that is very poor, and you can tell that they're just oh. not. Oh, I'm sorry, you, but you have Kate. You just on the ice, Reese. I was, I'm, I was going to vote for you. 
See when they come on to the island, some of the um, the pirates on that island are not great. I'm not saying that the main actors are bad. I'm saying that some of the acting in that film is very poor. Uh, and it just it shows you that it's not easy because you're talking to I, I mean, you're talking to a puppet because it's not it wasn't CGI back in 1992. You're talking to a puppet here. And it is, it's not easy to do, and it, he absolutely knocks out of the park for me. Nice, nice. I think the biggest revelation there is that you have two and three-year-old children. Right, well, I've got some big news, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, My years good. as a younger shagger have come back to baby. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Well, i seen there was a veiled... I say veiled, very obvious. Dig at Lewis there. Yeah, I mean. So Lewis, clear. I think it only makes sense that you step up next and tell me why Die Hard is the best Christmas film. Well, it is the best Christmas film, and I don't want to get into the if it is a reason film or no because I feel like we could do a debate on that for like six hours, but gonna ask questions at the end of this presentation. But without Christmas, this movie just doesn't happen. And John McClane is a man who knows he's done wrong. And takes this opportunity to invite to his wife's Christmas party, reflecting on his decisions over the last six months to become a better man. Kinda sounds like what Reese was thinking that a Christmas movie should be. Trying to save the life of his wife and to strengthen and see his kids again, become the family man he so desperately thinks he should become after experiencing this. He just wants to get home to his family and become that that man that he wished he could have been six months ago. That this opportunity of randomly i guess a hostile takeover of the company to get some bonds out of a vault allows him to reaffirm his reflections to see that this isn't life he wants and it comes to a point where it's even overwhelming for him he's like i can't do it anymore he, he wants to give up and this is when i think he gives his best speech in the movie is when he breaks down on the speaker over to al the friendly cop who's helping him out that he can't do it anymore that he's just like just tell my wife i love her i'm doing this for her i just want to make sure that i that they're safe, I don't care anymore, tell her I'm sorry. And that's the one key thing, he's like, just tell her I'm sorry, because he knows he messed up, and he's reflecting on his decisions, and Christmas gives him the opportunity to change that decision. And without the unconditional support and love from Al, there's no way that John McClane couldn't have saved the day and kicking ass and taking names. And I just want to say, in this movie, Hans Gruber is known as like one of the greatest movie villains of all time, and the performance given... Oh, it's 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 delicious. It's great. It's some of the best acting I've ever seen in my life. And uh, yeah, Die Hard gives me the opportunity to see a man admit his failures, reflect on himself, and become a better individual. It just happens to go through the the trials of Christ, so to speak, that um, he undercovers his true self. And even the writers of the film, they they said, yeah, we tried to make it a bit of a Christmas film, you know. Can't really, can't really argue with the writers of the film. So, uh, yeah, it is a Christmas movie, and it's the best Christmas movie. You can argue with the main actor, though, if he says it's not. Yeah, but the actor didn't write the but film. I'm not gonna, so. I, to be fair, I don't want to get into that. In terms of a film, four films that we've listed, it's potentially the best one in terms of just a movie. Like, if you take the Christmas element out of it. If you talk about A Christmas Carol as a story, that's probably a better story than Die Hard. But in terms of an actual movie, Die Hard probably 
is better than a Muppets Christmas Carol. I I can't deny that. In terms of uh, Hans Alan Rickman's acting, I mean, again, can't fault that. I think uh, Alan Rickman does a, a great job as Hans Gruber, but it's not as good as this role in Love Actually, though. Am I right, Jack? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Alan Rickman as a as a cheater is what you would need from a movie. So. I understand. I'd rather have Alan Rickman well. and Robin than Sorry. shooting on Christmas. I mean, that's right, a fair point. Robin is <laughs> Christmas birds. <laughs> but I understand Reese's concern about the whole like violence in movies, but one thing that like this film can be is that, yes, there's the Christmas films you have with your family, but not everybody can have the full-fledged family experience. And as someone who never really did, that's kind of why I think I like this movie was because it was just something that I could turn on and kind of get away from the stuff that I was missing out on in my life and just experience a great movie that was set in Christmas and something that kind of made me feel good and maybe enjoy what I was seeing. Would you show it to your two-year-old son or daughter? Yes. Oh, gosh. Social services. Social services. Fuck children and fuck charity people. The, well, it's not like The Muppet's Christmas Carol is free from critique when it comes to that point. I mean, as you said, it like you even said itself, it's a dark, twisted movie that even tells people that, yes, this guy is killing people and starving them. Like, that's a complex thing to have a kid understand. Like, your argument could be flipped on both sides here. Yeah, not only that, Rizzo ain't going to light book out. <laughs> they leave when the, the, the ghost of Christmas future comes. Even they're like, yeah, we, we don't want to be here for this. And Rizzo falls out a window. It's it's a t- it's tough. It's a tough movie. It's tough. It's no tough. rats were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that was good. I like that. I like that. Lewis is like again personal reasons why I enjoyed it, but also just a really good um, explanation of the film, what it tries to do. So I guess that leaves us with Stuart to take us home. Haha. <laughs> Alone. Um, Stuart. Nice. Please. Begin your defence. Thank you. <laughs> what what a segue! What a segue! Um, oh, for me, I think Home Alone is the best Christmas movie. I, we all have brought a good, varied choice of Christmas movies to the plate, but with Home Alone, it is just a proper feel-good family film that everyone can enjoy. Like this film is steeped in its era for the circumstances that he's left behind. Um, but it's absolutely timeless. Like I think I can, I could honestly say that out of all the Christmas movies we have here, I think this one has the most longevity. It tells a unique story, and even if it does get remade, it, nothing will compare to this version. Um, like they explain, like I said, they explain all the reasons that Kevin has left at home pretty well. Like there's, there's obviously a lot you have to accept, like in any movie, but they do make the effort to put things in place. It's not just a, oh well, they forgot about him. That's it. They do take their time to craft this. Um, the music's great. I think any like everyone, if you heard the Home Alone music, you'd immediately recognise it. And when you've got the guy who made the music, who also did the music to Star Wars and Indiana Jones, when you've got him on board, then you know you've got something special. It's got Macaulay Culkin in it, who is one of the best child actors that's ever been on screen. But not only that, like all the child actors are great in it, and they can usually be a really weak point of the film. I mean, um, 
I watched The Santa Claus this year and another one of my favourite movies, but some of the child actors are a bit iffy in that. That can sometimes tank a Christmas movie for me, but all of them, especially Buzz and the kid who always pisses the bed, like they're all great. And then you've got the Wet Bandits, you've got Joe Pesci, who is such a serious actor, an Oscar-winning actor, I might add, and he kills it in this film. He's got such good slapstick comedic timing and the actor who plays Marv is what they they are both great in this film. The dialogue's funny, the action's funny. Like it, it's a kid's film when you need it to be, and it it's more adult when it can be. Like what like the messages behind this film as well are incredible. Like what Kevin's mum has to go through to get home. It shows the strong bond that can overcome all odds to be reunited with a son, that strong familial bond. And that ultimately is what is the message of this film. It's family. It's got a nice message, which is very important for Christmas films to have, in my opinion. It shows that family is more important and not to take them for granted. And that's very adult in this message because Kevin himself, he has a conversation with an old man who hasn't spoken to his family. He's felt he's fallen out. He's an old man. Even Kevin himself is like, aren't you a little bit too old to be, you know, being petty and being scared about this? You know, family at Christmas is the most important thing. Take it from me, a child who has lost his family for Christmas, you will not regret anything more than not being able to say goodbye to your family. So cherish the time that you've got. That is such an adult message that isn't even dumbed down just because it's a kid's movie. They really take that and that's the heart of the movie. And for me, a heart of Christmas. Like, family's family. Like, hopefully, the people watching this do have a good family life and they do have a good family bond at Christmas and this movie allows that to shine through and that's the key point of this movie it's family at Christmas you just don't take it for granted especially this year this year's obviously been a very upsetting year for a lot and I think it's really put things into perspective and this movie highlights that I think yeah that's quite an impassioned response for Home Alone and it is a movie that kind of gets cycled a lot between when I was watching movies my mom, it would be Home Alone, The Grinch was one, but Home Alone has a kind of special place in my heart as well. It's one of those kind of... Same reason why I kind of enjoyed Die Hard is like I was able to watch that, not relate, because it's not like I got forgotten, but there's times where it allows people to kind of see what it could have been like. I think everyone growing up didn't realise how wonderful their family are, and at some point in your life you've probably gone... Oh, I hate these guys. Oh, I wish I was never born. Or I wish you weren't here or whatever. And that, and you know, uh, in the film, Kevin does that, and, and they actually do disappear. And he, he think the first day, obviously thinks this is great. This is the best. This is the best thing that could ever happen. I've got exactly what I wanted. And then slowly realizes, you know, over time, like, wow, actually, I really missed them. I love them. You know, I had it so good before. And the the scene with the old man where he tells him about you know you need to be with your family it's the best part of your life and then just the scene where his mum comes in the house and they just the two of them just catch eyes with each other uh, yeah it's it's a great film I I don't think anyone can say it's not a great Christmas film well there you have it guys four great films four great pitches at. I'm struggling in shoes. Now, before I, we ask, I ask you to vote, obviously you do have to remember, we're voting based on the pitches. We try, you got to try and remove any personal feelings about the film. I know that's difficult. But you've got to try and just look in each pitch individually, decide which one's the best, and then 
send me your votes if you could do so eminently. Eminently. I'm torn. I really don't know. It's quite an interesting time of year, Christmas. Like, oh having these sort of God. discussions. Oh, God. Well. Oh, are you, uh, are you serious? <laughs> we have a four way tie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. We all Christmas win. Miracle. <laughs> Does that mean God I bless us. I don't know what that everyone. means. We that means it's you, Adam. You said you didn't know Adam's either. Adam's got to have the final say. Oh, brilliant. Okay, I'm going I'm to go. Do you want to take a few minutes to, to compose uh, yourself, you Adam? Guys, talk amongst yourselves for a, for a few minutes. I was going to ask just one question. What Does everyone have a least favourite Christmas movie? Oh. Because I, I have one so. that I watched the first time last year. And Bending I had to watch it again this um, Christmas with the Cranks. If you've ever seen it, is a horrible, horrible Christmas movie. That is the worst Christmas movie I've ever seen in my life. It's so bad. It's like... It's, my it's, problem, Stuart, is that if a Christmas movie is bad, I just won't watch it again. And it, it's just not going to offend me enough to be... Because I know that there's a fine line between a, a good Christmas movie and a, a terrible Christmas movie. Because Christmas movies aren't easy to make. There's a lot like... Christmas songs. So if mm. a Christmas movie is bad, I can almost forgive it. Not this one, Vs. I think you should watch Christmas with a Crank. Unfortunately, it's one of my girlfriend's favourites, and I had oh, to watch gosh. it. I've had to watch it twice. It is starting. Surprised you didn't pitch that as your favourite Christmas movie then for your defence. Like, so... I love you, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> not now. Not now. This is a, This is the witnessing the end of our relationship because it's Hang a my... horrible film. I think my least favourite Christmas movie is probably Santa Claus 3. Yeah, I could see that. That was just a cash grab. I felt like Santa Claus is my girlfriend's favourite movie, and Santa Claus 2 was pretty good, but Santa Claus 3 was just a disaster. I don't understand. The moment they had, to get, they had to get Jack Frost into it, it was, it was poor. It was, it, was just, it was just poor. There's not much more to say than other just being poor. Did anyone I've... watch a Christmas Chronicles? No, I haven't. But the I've first one was really good. Like I actually really enjoyed it, and the second one came out this year, but I've not seen it yet. Um, but I'm quite excited because the first one was actually really good, and I think it's hard to make a good Christmas film now. And it's the same with Christmas songs because they're so stapled into society that you listen to the same ones every year, mm-hmm. you watch the same movies every year. So to make a new Christmas song or a new Christmas movie is quite a difficult thing to do. But this one was actually really good, and I watched it last year as well. So I've, I've repeated it, even though it came out, I think the first one came out in 2018. So I've, I've watched the Christmas Chronicles every year since it's come out. Right. Right. Now over to you, Adam. Pressure's on. Okay. I thought about it. I took some time. I have a list in front of me. I've chosen my top four. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take notes from uh, the recent tie breaks and deciding. This was tough. This was tough. I want to say all four of these couldn't win us. And it's a very close top four, so I was come first to Lewis. I good pitch. Really enjoy it. Die Hard is one of my favourites and all, but I'm removing personal bias. I did. I really enjoyed your pitch. I like it. But I think if there's anything for me about Die Hard is that it's it doesn't cover 
enough bases, you know, like in terms of like Christmas scenes. But it's got to the family, which is like the Bondus wife, and it is a great film, and it's got great acting in it as well. Um, You're part of the conspiracy. Fuck this shit. I I do think it's a Christmas film as well, but uh, I had to be. That was, that was okay. Next. Next. Very eloquently put, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Shut up, you capitalist pig. <laughs> I hate money. <laughs> right. Next. Jack. Bastard. Right, okay. That, that I Jack. It may be a throw that span in the works. You might have won. I hope so. Otherwise, a terrible order. night for Alan Rickman. <laughs> well, but all nights are terrible. He's dead, and <laughs> you, oh Jesus my God. What? <laughs> it's fuck out and make me the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I I watched Love Actually in preparation for this a few days ago. It's a film I can remember watching a lot. My mum, it's I think it's my mum's favorite. I'm Christmas film. I'm not 100, percent but uh, it's definitely one of her favorites. I watched it. It's got a lot. You're right. It tells you a lot of good stories about what Christmas means to people and how it's different. I, again, I can I, I do like the ending, but at the same time of the film, I don't, I don't know how strong it is. But uh, for me, I didn't choose yours the best because I just feel like it's not... It's always the, the message I think gets a bit uh, diluted, but I think... I did like I did like your pitch though, but I think it's there's so much I suddenly think there's so much things going on. I felt that kind of way with your pitch that like it's hard to pin down the, the meaning of the film. Um I want to move on and my top two, you know who's in the top two? There's only two people left. Sure, I just want to say before he goes on There's no person I'd rather be in the top two with. Good luck. Good luck, Reese. Like these are these are the Muppets Christmas Carol is up there. It is definitely in my top five. So whatever Christmas film wins is fine by me. Yeah, I'm the same. I thought your pitch was excellent, but I just want to say I didn't vote for you. Go on, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Now, basing this purely on the pitches was hard. Um, But I had to go off the strength. Just, you know, what each pitch made me feel. And I feel like, for that reason, I, ha- I had to choose Stuart's pitch. And I, I would come reasonably quickly. Come. It's Christmas! <laughs> I'd have vote for you either, Reese. It's the last second. I, again, your pitch is really strong. I think the problem with this was that I had to, I, I think I had to, I, I found it really hard to pick reasons why you didn't win in terms of just like, the other pictures meant like did slightly more for me. I think that's, I think that's quite clear. Uh, and I think any other like pitch, the Stuart's pitch had been slightly worse. You'd have won. Like I really did like your pitch, and you always you you covered like and Muppets Chris Crowd does it covers all the bases. You pointed out really well. I just thought Stuart's was great. I thought it, it was you know a bit almost emotional, and I thought it just it totally explained and just totally sold the idea to me that Home Alone is the best Christmas film. Uh, and I think that's why Stuart is this week's big picture, and he's also this year's Christmas big picture champion. Stuart, congratulations! Hell of a Christmas present, bro. Thank you, thank you. I will make it clear I voted for Stuart as well. Cause I'm not gonna lie; like I felt like that was the most passionate defense of a yeah. movie. Yeah, I agree. I was... That passionable of a defense of a movie. 
I was. I knew Jack wasn't voting for me. No, I didn't vote for Stuart. I'll tell you for why I didn't vote for Stuart. <laughs> he went and had a pure like few minute digging at me for the movie and completely slaughtered for what it was. And I appreciated re-sticking up for that point for more slate in the movie. And I felt that may have had some hampered decision making apart from. That. But by the by, I did really enjoy your pitch, Stuart, for what it was. But I went. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, and Stuart, your pitch was really good. Like, I don't think any of us, any of us had denied it. I mean, like Adam said, it was like almost emotional. It was kind of passionate. And uh, yeah, I, I get, I get what Adam was saying about how it made him like, feel something, and actually, like, uh, he really liked it for that reason. I, I felt the same way too. But the reason I voted for Jack was because I thought that you can't Jack, vote for the way. No, no, I, I almost did vote for you, Lewis. I, see what you were saying? I was like, he's he made good points here. But um, <laughs> but when Jack told uh, did his pitch, it made me want to watch the film to see what it was like so that I could experience it and have my own opinion on it. Because I've seen, and I think, I, I, you know, I've seen Home Alone and the way Stuart describes it is really, really good. And I've seen Die Hard and the way Lewis described it was really good as well. But I've never seen Love Actually. And I've never really wanted to see it either, but the way Jack told it kind of made me want to watch it to see what it was like for myself. And that's why, Jack, you're this week's big picture champion. <laughs> I was going to say, that's an absolute victory in itself. No, no, that's, thank you. Right, see you later on. Uh, <laughs> right, well, I think that sums up this Christmas episode very well. I think all really good pitches, all really, we all did a good job. Stuart's, as I say, most emotional. Congratulations to Stuart. Uh, and Stuart, do you want to go on any part? You all fell for it. Okay. You all fell for it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what the annoying part is? Die Hard Stuart's favourite Christmas film. It's not Home Alone. He's just, he's just spouting rhetoric. He's read this online. <laughs> this is from this tape from The Guardian. All the references are made. <laughs> anyway, Reese, do you know the worst thing about Love Actually is it wastes Rowan Atkinson. He is a fantastic comedian slash And he's barely in it. He's barely in it. I know. Well, it, his best movies are the ones where he doesn't speak anyway. So. <laughs> That's true. A bit like Very Charlie true. Chaplin. <laughs> right, well, I think we'll end it there. If you want to get involved in the people's vote, I think this week we'll be deciding whose pitch was the best. As always, don't I say that as if we're doing anything different. Uh, please Wait follow there. us on Twitter at underscore the big picture and on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube, just search at the big picture on all good podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, whatever you're listening to this on right now. And I want to say a massive thank you to Lewis. I appreciate the thank you. I appreciate your hosting and uh, I wish you all a Merry Christmas when it comes. And also a thank you to Reese. Uh, thank you, Adam. But before you sign off here, you've not hyped up what the next podcast is. Oh, that's why I went to you, Reese. Why don't you tell the people? Well, next, in uh, two weeks' time, <laughs> when we release our next podcast, I actually don't know when it's going to release. Ne- nevertheless, when the next one comes out, <laughs> in review, we'll be going over some great topics. I can't remember them off the top of my head. Best movie, best song, best pitch. Best lockdown, spring or winter? Best (laughs) lockdown. I didn't get to experience lockdown to Electric Avenue, so I I, I won't be taking part in that one. Best, you know, get your categories in. If you want something to be talked about as a category for the year, get it. 
tweet it to us or send us a DM on Instagram, whatever. We want a lot of topics because we're going to be talking about how 2020 was the best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to also, but we want to thank Jack for your time today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the height <laughs> drop there. Yeah. <laughs> and also, thank you to Jack Graham who took part in this podcast. <laughs> and oh, finally, there's not much to go on. She just got that. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, thanks to our big picture Christmas champion, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you. God bless us every pitch. And thank you all for listening all this way through to December. And Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Yep, Stuart, thanks for stealing that. But I was just about to say, uh, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks to you, the word. listener. Word for word. Thanks to everyone. And yeah, well, have a good Christmas. Uh, Everyone, please. Yippee mother truckers. And I hope to see you all soon. End it! End it! Don't cry about story 20.